Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. So here we are in the bottom of the ninth inning. Two outs and running first base. Mark Knutson, the tall right-hander, trying to nail this one down. He has thrown a gem to this point. Eight and two-thirds innings, giving up just three hits and looking for his fourth complete game for the speed and perhaps to secure his 15th victory. He's got a 3-1 to one lead here in the bottom of the ninth, but at the plate is the guy who has two of those hits, Manny Randawa. A single to center and a double to right so far. Knutson into his windup. Here's the pitch, and he throws a fastball right by Randawa for strike one. Randawa a bit tardy on that swing. Now we're ready for the next pitch. The windup, and here it comes. There's a swing and a long one. Into the gap in right center field, way back towards the wall. It's off the wall. Bichette can't get there. He's chasing it down, and out of nowhere comes Ellis Burke. He'll get to the ball first. The run's going to score. Randawa is around second. He's digging for three. Here comes the throw from Burks. It's going to be close. Here's the slide. It's it's the park-adjusted Rockies podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Mark Knudsen and Manny Randawa. Hi, welcome to another edition of the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Manny Randall, Mark Knutson from Coors Field. Uh, Manny, Rockies off to a good start here. Uh, we're in the middle of the homestand with the Chicago Cubs, but so far, so good. So far, so great. Uh, five and two, you, you can't ask for anything better from the Rockies, especially their bullpen. I think their bullpen has been tremendous. 0.86 ERA, best in baseball through seven games. It's early, as they say, very early. But uh, if, if you want to start out well, and the Rockies have done that. They really, And a good start is paramount to keep building, especially in the, what's going to be a quirky year. Not just a quirky spring, but a quirky year. Uh, we've already seen some things we're going to talk about later on with Jordan Bastion, the Chicago Cubs, the Clayton Kershaw situation, the Corey Seager getting intentionally walked with the bases loaded situation. We're going to see weird things all season. Absolutely. It's gotten off to a weird start, that's for sure. It's not every week you can talk about uh, two things like that, where right. it's a bases loaded walk in the fourth inning intentional of a walk, walk, intentional yeah. walk in the fourth inning of a game, and uh, a guy getting in pulled April. in a perfect game uh, through yeah. 80 pitches. So definitely a lot of good stuff to talk about. Talk about your conversation with Chris Bryant. Yeah, got uh, to catch up with Chris Bryant. Um, uh, We talked a little bit about him uh, coming here and what he wants to accomplish here in Colorado after his years in Chicago. It's uh, it's kind of fitting because the Cubs are in town and uh, Chicago media had had uh, their time with them as well. Oh yeah, and. so they had a, they had a, their time with them on uh, in the first game of the series, and he was um, he obliged. He answered yeah. all their questions, but now he's a Rocky, and he said that multiple times. I'm a Rocky now. I'm moving on, and I want to do special things in Colorado. Uh, talk about uh, Jordan Bastian's comments too. Um, a little in, insight into what the Cubs are doing in a, in a kind of a rebuild situation. The Rockies never used the word rebuild, but do you see any similarities? Um, not really. I mean, I think I think. Uh, Jordan basically is is going to talk about uh, how the the Cubs are, you know, they're they're trying to stay competitive while also having an eye toward the future. I think the Rockies uh, want to do that, but they're doing it in such a drastically different way. And as we'll talk about later, we kind of don't know what they're doing exactly. Whereas the Cubs, it's kind of like you can see a plan building here where they might compete this year, they might not, but they're moving in that direction in a sustainable way. And we hope the Rockies are too. I got a chance to talk with Jeff Houston, AT&T Sportsnet as well. Um, optimi- cautiously optimistic. Again, talks about the bullpen, talks about the chances of getting that extra wild card spot. Um, and are they doing all the right things? And Huey had some things to say about that. So it's a lot of good stuff on this program. We love doing the show from out here at Coors Field. Always fun to do it out here at Coors Field. It's been a little bit cold. A little. Um, but yeah, that's an understatement. But uh, the windows are closed today, tonight. That's why you probably don't hear the crowd behind us. But 
uh, it's definitely been a great start for the Rockies, and, uh, and there's a lot of good stuff to talk about. A lot of good stuff on this program. Stay with us. It's the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. We're back right after this. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than denverautographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall, Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at denverautographs.com. Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. Contact Scott Horman at Colorado at gmail.com for more information. Welcome back to the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. This is Manny Randawa. Uh, I'm here in the clubhouse with Chris Bryant. We're happy to have Chris on the podcast with us today. Uh, Chris, uh, first of all, uh, welcome. Welcome to Colorado. Welcome to our podcast. We're happy. We hope we'll have you again in the future. But this first time, uh, I just wanted to say we talked a little bit last week, you and I, about how you uh, – came up in Chicago and you want to kind of do what what uh, you have veterans do for you in Chicago here with the Rockies how why is it important in particular for you and also how did that influence your decision to come here yes it did yeah well I, I just think um, in order I think in order to have successful teams you have to have uh, people who have been there and had success in the past before and who have learned from guys who have had success in the past before and um, I've had all of that. I've had, you know, John Lester is my teammate for a long time, and he was the guy who really came in and was, you know, kind of leaned on by a lot of the younger guys to get that advice from him. And at the time, he had won two World Series, and you know, he's been he'd been through a lot in his career. So, you know, I, I think that's very enticing for me to be able to be put in that kind of same situation. Um, you know, come to a team that, you know, hasn't won yet, but um, you know, is looking to, and I'm looking to be that kind of veteran presence that has been there before and you you've dealt with a lot of pressure <laughs> you've dealt with pressure I imagine your whole life in baseball but yeah. like in Chicago um, you dealt with a lot of pressure and, and we talked also about how it's different here it's not 108 year World Series drought <laughs> but it is a 29 year World Series drought sure. and it's the Rockies and they've had a lot of uh, turmoil and things happening uh, <laughs> here in the last couple of years so how do you see that with how do you see similarities and how do you see differences between 2015 Chicago when you came up there yeah. and this club? Well, you know, when I came up in 2015 <clears throat> in Chicago, uh, the Cubs hadn't won anything. They were, you know, famously the lovable losers. And, right. you know, the fans at that time were kind of just, you know, were hungry. But, <clears throat> you know, the culture wasn't about winning yet. And then 2015, we kind of surprised people and, you know, made it all the way to the NLCS. Um and I see a lot of uh, parallels here coming here and a fan base that wants to win and but hasn't in a, in a while and <clears throat> some really good young core pitchers, you know, Markey and Freeland and Sensatella and some really good core position players and Rogers and McMahon and some good veterans and Charlie and CJ and myself. Um, you know, there's a lot of parallels there. So um, I know we're in a tough division, um, you know, but... <clears throat> You also have another wild card spot, though. Yeah, there, there, there's the expanded playoffs and maybe the potential for more expanded playoffs in, in the future. So um, there's opportunity out there, and we just got to take advantage of it. Um, you made a nice play in the outfield last night, um, diving play. Did you? Um, how how is? I mean, you heard about the course outfield, but how is it different so far? What surprised you or not about the outfield playing there a few, yeah. a few, a few days? It's just really big. Yeah. It's you know. Um, 
balls in the gap are, are, are very tough to get to from you know center and left. You're just running for forever to get to it. You know, whereas where I was coming from in Chicago, you know, anything in the gap is essentially caught. I mean, it's a smaller field, um, but the wind is always blowing there. The wind, I don't know if it blows a lot here, but it's been blowing a lot. A lot of the, couple of those games, man, it's been yeah. way windier than I've ever seen, um, even playing at the the windy city in Chicago. So. Just getting used to that, um, realizing that you might not catch every ball in the gap, but try to get to it as fast as you can to keep them off of third base, maybe keep them only on second. So all that will be an adjustment, but you know, just the more I you know, get game reps out there and continue to see the ball fly and, and how it bounces off the grass and stuff like that, that you know, I'll essentially you know, get more comfortable playing out there. I have to ask you this, because uh, I saw on your baseball reference page. Where did the nickname Sparkles come from? I... Or you, or Sparkle. Are you, are you oh, I think this was. I, I. I am aware. I don't know okay. where it came from. It definitely oh, okay. wasn't from anybody in my life or teammate. <laughs> oh really? I think it. I think it might have been like some fans. Um, really? Fan in. I think it started when I was in AAA in Iowa. Oh. Um, I don't know. Maybe something about the eyes or something. Sure, sure, but sure. Uh, you know, fans will come up with anything. And I didn't know Baseball six. Reference came up. I mean, put fan nicknames on. Right. That's it's on there. We'll so. have to talk to Baseball Reference about that one. <laughs> Do you have another one? Uh, no, I mean, people just call me by my initials, yeah, you know, yeah. it's been okay. kind of that way my whole life, but sparkles, I don't know, let's not let that one stick here. Okay, <laughs> so you won't want that one, all right, so you won't, you won't KB's want it. fine. You like KB, all right, all right, gotcha. Hey, listen, thanks a lot for joining us. Appreciate Absolutely, it. you got it. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Manny Randawa here with uh, Mark Knudsen and special guest Jordan Bastion of MLB.com. He's a Cubs beat writer for MLB.com, and, uh, which is per- pertinent because not only are the Cubs in town, but we had uh, Chris Bryant and U.S. Rocky on, uh, on the podcast earlier today. So we want to talk to you, uh, Jordan, a little bit first about Chris. Um, uh, you you, you, you covered, started covering the Cubs in 2019 19 and Blue Jays before that. So you did get to know Chris a little bit. Um, were you surprised when he, when he chose Colorado? Not really. Um, I think, you know, when you read more about the stuff that was reported, about this being closer to his home, you know, a really great place to raise a family. And he's got a lot of, you know, a couple young kids or one young son and some more kids coming on the way. And um, just the security finally put into end years and years of just dealing with trade rumors and speculation and finally going through the trade um, in 2021 and all the emotions that went along with that I, and just the intense pressure that was on him throughout the the time with the Cubs you know instantly being a contending team rookie of the year MVP ending that World Series drought you know, the type of big market you know, media environment you know under the microscope with injuries he went through and the service time manipulation all that yeah. stuff I think there's just so it, this is an environment here where when you get to know him and he's kind of like that rare genuine personable superstar like the reluctant superstar truly um, I think a lot of the factors really line up here and it's fun to hear him say you know that he wants to try and create some of some of that here with this team but I think just where he is in his life and, and with his family um, and after the just kind of what he went through in Chicago, I think this makes a lot of sense. Jordan, you can just go ahead and say it. We're a bunch of softies in the media here, right? <laughs> you can just go ahead and say that. We're, we're, it's a soft media market. I've told me that much. Um, I don't know if you, how much you know about the previous situation uh, with Dick, Mon- Dick Monfort, one of the draft, Chris Bryant, mm-hmm. back in the day. And when, when, when the trade rumors started with Nolan Arenado, 
the only deal that Dick was going to pull was Chris Bryant. That's right. Now, how close did that come to happening? Yeah, I, I, we remember hearing about that at the time, and um, I don't know how close it was, but I know it was real. I mean, that was one of those where there was fire, where there was smoke, um, and it made sense on, on levels because the Cubs and what they've tried to do, and when you look at the signings they've done this year, the three-year deal for Marcus Stroman, the five-year deal for Seiya Suzuki, but in a prime age, he's 27, um, a guy that didn't cost big free agent bucks, uh, a kind of a gamble. They're trying to still be a competitive, maybe contending club now as they try and build again what they were able to build when Bryant was a young up-and-coming prospect. And so at the time, when you looked at that move, if they already sort of had decided that an extension wasn't realistic, that's where the whole Arenado thing might have made sense because it still was going to sort of fit the Cubs want to contend now right. but still plan for the future aspect. And you think if that had happened, maybe Rizzo's not and Schwarber are still Cubs if not Arenado brought them. Yeah, who knows? I mean, it's because uh, that Arenado deal, you know, depending on how many years would have been attached and all that yeah. stuff. Um, yeah, it would have been interesting to see how that dynamic would have shifted. But instead, the Cubs end up in a position where Bryant, Rizzo, Javier Baez, uh, and, and a bunch of other guys were going to be free agents. And they said, you know, basically what owner, uh, ownership and Jed Hoyer, the uh, president of the front office, said was, you know, they wanted to basically go all in. Like, they weren't going to go halfway. They decided if these guys are all going to hit the open market, they need to just go all out, get as many prospects as they can, and hit the reset button in the offseason. How would you grade the Cubs and what they've done? Because from the outside looking in, at least speaking for myself, I was a little surprised at how quickly they turned things around to be in a place where they can actually contend, uh, especially now with the third wildcard spot. Yeah, it, I mean, can they? We'll see. We'll see by the end of the year what this team is, and I think that's the point of this year is to see what this team is. And like I said, the moves they made backed up the front office speak of – being competitive now, but still keeping an eye on the future. And there, and even on opening day, you know, Jed Hoyer was still saying, you know, we're still focused on gaining prospects to plan for the future. So even in this mode of while trying to be competitive in the National League Central, which could be realistic still, there's still, you know, you have Wilson Contreras, who could be a free agent. He's in the same situation this year. So you're going to see trade rumors fly around him um, all season long. But I do think uh, what they did, I think they signed a dozen free agents, um, and the big money ones, like I said, were these shorter-term type deals. They weren't going to go crazy on a, on a five, six, seven-year deal. I think even Bryant said, yeah, they had preliminary talks, but it was all shorter-term stuff. I mean, it, that probably was like, hey, if you don't get the deal you're looking for, we're here. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, you saw what Carlos Correa did as an example. Right. Um, so I think. It's going to be an interesting year. I think it's already interesting a weekend to see how different the offense looks. A lot more contact-based, um, not a lot of whiffs. Uh, and so it's you, you can see what the front office is doing. And then at the low level of the minors with how many prospects they got, you can also see what they're trying to build for you know, that next cycle. Yeah, and, you know, I think if fans around here, I think, would say would, would hear something like that and say, at least, at least I think a good amount of them. Wow, we wish we could say the same thing about the Colorado Rockies because around here it's more like, what are they doing exactly? <laughs> and and it's like, and and yes, I, I really think that Bill Schmidt's done a good job, particularly with the locking up guys with extensions on very good AABs. Uh, they're paying Herman Mar, and this is back to Bradage. Kudos to him for this one. They're paying Herman Marquez eight million AAB, mm-hmm. you know, and and bought out some of his free agent years. So it's like, that's good, but at the same time, it's like. 
you know, after the Arnado and story, and then they land, and then they just open the wallet for, for Brian. It's like, what are you doing exactly out here? Um, and so with the Cubs, you know, I was an intern there in 13, mm-hmm. and I remember every story I wrote, they'd be like, it's Steel for real, it's Steel for real, it's Steel for real, is he really going to do this? And did it. And it's like, do you see them following kind of, not the exact same pattern, but in some sense, they're just kind of recycling this process over again with, with trying to build a championship team again? Yeah, the difference being that when they came in before, it was a total strip down yeah. to to the base level, yeah. and it was they knew they had to be really, you know, for lack of a better term, really bad yeah. for a few years yeah. to get the type of draft. And that's pick something they this team will not do, no, right? And, do and that's something that the Cubs don't want to do again with this regime. So that's where it's this is now an interesting phase for Jed Hoyer because he's done the strip down, tear down, uh, you know, process, collecting the top five picks building those those impact group of core players to come up and now he's trying to do it in a different way and I think that's really interesting he's he got a lot of first round second round type talent in these trades you know I mean he kind of it was a benefit if you're going to hit reset to have the trade chips that he had Craig Kimbrell among them as well uh, Ryan Tapero was traded Andrew Chafin Jake Marisnik I mean there was a, I think it was, there was 11 players last year who were going to be free agents Jock Peterson um, you know, and all those guys were traded leading up to the deadline. Like I said, they went all they went all in on the trades to address the farm. Talk about restocking. It was almost last year was like two seasons. I mean, you had a, a first place team through June. They threw a no hitter against the Dodgers. Were in first place, sole possession at the time, and then they lost eleven in a row. And Jed said, "I, I have to just. This is the time to. We're not going to do extensions. Got to try and thread this needle." So, to your point, uh, can they do it again? They're trying to do it again, but in a different way, and that's what's kind of interesting about this this phase. What's the perception from your side of, of what the Rockies are doing? I mean, Manny, like Manny said, we don't even know sometimes. We're just kind of scratching our heads a lot of times. But what's the natural perception of this organization? Yeah, I think I think Manny kind of uh, hit the nail on the head there. I think there was a lot of head scratching. I mean, when when you make those big moves and uh, you know Story leaves and Nora, Nolan Arenado leaves, and then you go out and get Bryant, I think everyone around the country kind of was wondering what the plan was but you know I don't have my finger on the pulse here I'm just kind of watching it from afar but I think yeah I think I'd kind of echo a lot of what Manny said it, it's it's puzzling in one hand but it's not in the other because like Manny said they'll never do a tear down here right. they don't believe in that and they would have traded Brian Strader for Aaron Arnold if they could have they got a big boost from the all-star game last year financially helped make up for some of the problems caused by the pandemic here so money's always going to be the number one issue it is with a lot of teams mm-hmm. but I don't know, we're, again, we just scratch our heads. We just wonder what the thought process is. But I'm well, I'm not surprised by that Bryant move. I'm not because I got something Dick wanted to do ten, eight years ago. In that sense, it's not surprising. Dick's been after KB for mm-hmm. a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, like the well, third, yeah. like the, the third pick, and then you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Bryant's yeah. wearing a Rockies hat the morning of or whatever it was, and, and it's like, and then and then you guys, uh, Cubs, scoop him up, and then and you guys scoop him up in Chicago, and then they go to John Gray. But, um, and ever since then, yeah, so in the sense of the owner, it, I mean, it, it, it makes sense, but in the sense of, like, overall plan, you know. Yeah, because this is supposed to be an organization that's going to build from within and farm, draft farm, and they just haven't done a very good job at that to this point. They don't have a lot of top right, top prospects and all that. So, anyway, um, talk, let's talk about some of the things that are going on around baseball along with uh, the Cubs. Your, your old manager, Joe, uh, Joe Madden, who you know very well, made a... If I fight say bizarre move the other day, Manny, um, bases loaded walk to Corey Seager. Um, I know 
I know Joe just like you do. We all know Joe. He has a reason for everything he does. I have not heard that reason, <laughs> but can you make sense of that? But basically, set up the. I mean, man, you set up the situation. I don't even remember what the situation. Was. Uh, I mean, again, I, I was here too, and I'm not sure exactly what happened. But I read afterwards. Fourth inning, Seager's up, bases loaded. I think they were down a run or two. The the Angels were, and. Um, it's, it's not Barry Bonds in the ninth inning when you're up three and you don't want him to hit a grand slam. Right. You know, and, and Brent Main lines out and it works out. And it's not even Hamilton in 2008. Or, um, uh, Hamilton. It's Josh Hamilton. Josh Hamilton. I don't know how I blinked on that. Josh Hamilton gets intentionally walked by Joe Madden, who apparently is a, has intentionally walked with the bases loaded. He's the, he, this happened three times since integration. He's done two of them. Uh, Barry Bonds the other one was Barry Bonds, you know, and Buck Showalter <laughs> and the D-backs. But um, it's just really bizarre because it's like, what does that accomplish? Is there a baseball reason to do that? And I don't see one. Yeah, my favorite part of the whole thing, and we were laughing in the press box, was did you see the video of Mike, Mike Trout? Trout yeah. He's in the outfield, and you could see him like almost stuck. counting, like looking up at the scoreboard, and then like looking at how many runners were on base. Like he was as confused as the rest of us. Um, I, I think in the end, it didn't even, it didn't really matter. Um, it's an interesting baseball move. Uh, it, David Ross, we were kind of talking to him, uh, cameras off today, and he kind of quipped that Joe Madden has bigger stones than he does. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting move. You know, Joe's always going to be unorthodox. He always has been. Um, you know, everyone knows that's his M.O. to think outside the box and try and be thinking a couple moves ahead. But, I mean, Corey Seager's good, but he's not very Bonds in his prime. He's not even Josh Hamilton when Josh Hamilton was at his height. Um, so it's uh, it was an interesting move. Um, and like I said, I, I think maybe they're just happy in the end that uh, the move didn't go away where it became the story and that it it played a huge role in that game. Right. They came back and won. They came back and won the game, nine to six. There was another <clears throat> situation that has drawn a lot more scrutiny. Mm-hmm. The Clayton Kershaw situation being removed from the, from a perfect game after seven innings in Minnesota. 38 degree day in Minnesota. Guy's got injury history. I'm Manny, I talked about this. I'm I 100 percent agree with the decision. And I'm a former pitcher and I have no qualms with coming him coming out. Man doesn't need any more notches on his resume. He's been injury prone. He's coming off an injury. Didn't play la- in the postseason last year. They, this is not a, a deep Dodgers starting rotation like it's been in the past. To me, it all makes sense. Why are so many people so, so up in arms? Oh, they're up in arms because uh, all, uh, we're in the hot take society, right? Um, Fergie Jenkins, I loved it. He's he's active on Twitter, and yep. everyone knows Fergie of the 250, 300 inning seasons yep. and all the complete right. games. He tweeted that he'd have to, he'd have, if he had a broken arm, he'd still be rolling the ball uh, to the plate before he'd agree to come out. But you know what? It's a it's a different era, and not only that, you have to factor in it was a three three and a half week spring training. Um, you know, even on the position player side. Uh, Rossi's talked about how they weren't even built up to nine innings being on their feet when the when opening day arrived. So I think this is a guy that, you know, we all know his history. Um, like you said, he's got nothing left to prove. And I think, uh, you know, preserving him for a full season and sticking to the plan at this point with what the Dodgers hope to accomplish and what they want him to do this year, uh, sticking to that plan in this point in the calendar makes far more sense than, uh, you know, another – Thing to put on his resume, but potentially hurt his season. 
It's far from Ian Snell in the World Series. I mean, it's, 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 it's the opposite, right? right? It's like it's not short spring training, World Series. You've been pitching all year. I mean, Snell had his issues, but um, I think we could all. There was a big, there was for good reason a big debate about that one. But yeah, I think it was. You know, there are 23 perfect games, and I think uh, and Clayton. I think it's you know, if you're rooting for a good story, it's, it's Clayton Kershaw throwing a perfect game at age whatever, and after all the injury problems. But if you're Dave Roberts, you can see exactly why he did it. Yeah, I mean, he's, Dave Roberts' job is not to get Clayton Kershaw perfect game; it's to win the. National League West and set up his, his pitching staff for the playoffs, which he was not able to do last year because he didn't win the National League West. So right. it makes perfect sense to me. But you mentioned the shortened spring training, and I, that's what you mentioned one thing, Jordan, that hasn't been talked about: position players not playing nine full innings yet. Right. We've seen pitchers; very few pitchers have gone five innings right. yet this this year. Um, are we going to see, in your opinion, lingering effects of the short spring deeper into the season, or is this just going to go away by the end of the end of this month? Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't have that answer, obviously, but we saw after 2020, that year, we saw how many, uh, like, hamstring-type injuries were flaring up. You know, that's yeah, soft tissue stuff. So I think one thing Ross has talked a lot about, like, say Suzuki was out of the lineup on Friday. Uh, Nick Madrigal out of the lineup on Saturday here in Colorado. And, you know, Madrigal, he pointed out, like, you know, he, he, Ross, he joked that he, he didn't seen a guy run as much as, Magical did in that game with all the shifting and uh, you know how much he was on the bases and he said you know I need to just get him off his legs he's a guy that has injury history in his past so those are things he's trying to build in days off there was a game two of the season um, it got rained out but Nico Horner was out of the planned lineup after hitting a home run on opening day and Rossi said that went against everything in his fiber to right. give a guy out of take a guy out of the lineup after he homers in the game before. But those are Ross. Kind of like to the point about sticking to the pitching plans. Ross is doing this on the position playing side too, saying, "I need these guys healthy all year." We played three and a half weeks. You know, the coaching staff and the medical staff didn't all have eyeballs on them during during the lockout, and so there's a lot of catching up on what were you doing, how are you doing it, what was your intensity level like. Then they get eyeballs on them, and now we need to map out a plan to make sure 162 games, potentially playoffs. Not just April. Jordan, man, this has been great. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, always a pleasure. And uh, we're, uh, we're just about to get uh, game three of this four-game series started. And uh, so we got a couple more games to, uh, to watch the Cubs here in Colorado. And uh, just good stuff, as always. And thank you again. It's been fun. Thanks, thanks guys. Thanks, Jordan. We'll be back with more on the Park of Justice Rockies podcast right after this. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, Look no further than DenverAutographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall. Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at DenverAutographs.com. Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. Contact Scott Horman at USAPrimeColorado at gmail.com for more information. And we're back on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast here with the AT&T Sportsnet's Jeff Houston, color man for the Colorado Rockies here in the middle of the Cubs series. Huey, um, how's it gone so far in your opinion? I mean, obviously 5-2 and two is a good start, but are you seeing what you thought you would see? You know what? It, it's really interesting whenever you start a season because you just never know what what things look like in spring training could be completely different you could look great in spring training and they come out and stink i mean i think we've all had that in our career and uh 
the, the hard thing too for this spring training coming out was it's not over yet. Spring training, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, how are the guys going to be? Right. Um, and I think we've kind of seen it played out with the starting pitcher, where you know, if you get if you get five, it's yeah, yeah, it's really good. Um, I think the bullpen has got to be the biggest surprise right now, of uh, where they sit, just three earned runs and thirty-one plus innings, and uh, you know, all the wins for the club have come out of the bullpen. Yeah. Um, so, and, and you know, last year they had such a rough year and much maligned. And so this year for them to come out and have success, at least early on, that's it. You know, you know, as a bullpen guy and as a pitcher, that that means so much to you to yes. get off to a great start. Otherwise, you, you you just feel like you're battling uphill the whole time, trying to get a 20 ERA down. Um, so for these guys, it's good. And, you know, offensively, I, I think they're doing okay. They're treading water, right. I think, is the best way to but do it. But that's good news because... When when you're winning games, but you're not winning what you thought you're gonna win, you're waiting for guys yes. to get red hot. Yeah, and, and yeah, I mean Charlie's gotten off to a slow start. Mac, Brendan Rodgers, and yeah. so those are three big yeah. key guys that you you know are gonna turn mm-hmm. it around. And so you, when you're sitting there going five and two, wow, that's that's pretty good. Um, I, I've been really pleased with the at bats of Chris Bryant. Yeah. I mean his at bats are yeah. professional at bats, right. and I think that carries over to the rest of the guys. Yeah, CJ Crone as well. Yeah, I mean, you know what you're gonna get yeah. those two. Absolutely, that's, that's helpful. Um, Brought up a good point earlier in the podcast with um, Jordan. Position players aren't used to even playing nine innings yet. Right. Coming out of spring training, you <laughs> yeah. know that as a position yes. guy. You're, in spring training, you're gone in the yes. fourth or fifth. You're off to the golf course with right. us, with the pitcher. <laughs> uh, but, but now they're being asked to play nine innings, and a lot of guys are getting early time off and all that. So it's it's just so disjointed the way it is starting right now. Well, and also carrying 28 guys. You know, yeah. for a manager, he's not used to that. Yeah, we used to be used to it in September. Mm-hmm. But then, then then you was one of two things: is okay, you wanted to see what these kids could do, and but now you're actually going to have to utilize these guys. And, and you really have to manage, you know, they talk about managing minutes in the yeah. NBA and, yeah. and hockey. Uh, I think you really have to manage games yeah. and innings for the guys, at least for the first two or three weeks, because you don't want to overtax them. You don't want to overstretch them. Um, and, and then that way you would you, you hope to not have that injury that lingers or you lose them for a significant amount of time. What do you tell fans who are... I'm a little nervous about the starting pitching not being what it was billed to be before the season. Uh, I, I, I think that would probably be the least of the concerns. But I think it goes back to what we talked about earlier. Just, you know, a lot of these guys, this would be their second to last start yes, exactly. in the in spring training. Um, so right now they're trying to go out there and compete, knowing they're going to be on a pitch limit, knowing that they're not built up. They could some even be going through that dead arm phase right now that you know about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot going on for those guys. So for me, I think that's that's not even really on my radar. So you expect the Kyle Freelands and the yeah. these guys to bounce back and, and have big seasons. They all have to stay healthy. That, well, that's true. They do have to stay healthy, and that's part of the reason you manage them so yep. well right now and and make sure that they can go out there and make their 28 to 30 starts. Mm-hmm. Um, but, no, I, I just think if this would have been maybe two or three years ago when, when they're younger in their professional career, um, then it might be an issue. But I don't think so now because I think they, they're all very mature, although they're everybody in the starting rotation is you know, 29 or younger. Yeah. But they've been pitching for a long time, so they got a lot of innings under the belt. So I think they'll figure it out once they get to that point where it's like, okay, I no longer have to worry about controlling my, my pitches to, to 
conserve energy to get to the next uh, inning. Pete Vukovic told me, and I think this sums up what you're saying, he told me a long time, he said, when, you, when you've got this figured out is when you stop worrying about what's happening on the mound, you start worrying about what's happening at home plate. Yes. You're not worrying about your own mechanics anymore. You're now you're worried about getting the guy out of the hooks. And these guys, all four of them, are to that point in their careers. Right, and, and that comes with the experience. I mean, the, the, the only teacher you have is the experience out on the field. You, I, I can tell you what to do, you can tell me what to do, but until you get out there between the lines and in a major league stadium, and you have to figure it out yourself, you have to survive yourself, that you finally go, okay, this is what I need to do to be successful. And these guys are, uh, will get there, for sure. Talking about managing minutes and managing situations, the Dodgers got a lot of heat for what they did with Clayton Kershaw the other day. Took him out, they get prearranged, right? I'm in the, listen, as an old school guy, we're both old school guys. I, I think they might let him go too long, to be honest with you, given his injury history, given where he was coming at, where his, his progress was. 80 pitches is a lot. Nobody's going five innings as we just talked about, and they kick him out for seven, and yet they're getting all this grief from our generation of guys. Well, I don't get that. Well, I, I don't either. I, I think, you know, sometimes you're trying to compare apples and oranges, yes. and I don't think that's fair, too. And that's a tough seat to be in, too, mm -hmm. because, mm -hmm. you know, there's only been, what, 23 mm -hmm. uh, perfect games right. in Major League history. There's been a lot more no-hitters, um, and it's Clayton Kershaw. But if you're looking at the long term, if you're looking at, hey, we need him to make at least 20 to 22 yep. starts. There might no be a, a time where we have to put him on the I.L. because Clayton is not the same no, no, health-wise that he was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so well, that's I, been the case for five years now. Yeah, exactly. So if you're looking long term or you're looking mm -hmm. to, hey, we need this guy to, to get us to the playoffs and then to the World Series and we need him to be Clayton then, then... I have to do what I think is best for him and the club. And to Clayton's credit, I mean, I don't, I don't think he was protecting Dave. I think he was completely oh, yeah. honest with what he was saying. It's like, hey, I didn't pick up a baseball till January. Yep. There was this lockout yep. and the short spring training. So. He didn't make a regular start in spring training. No, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, everything is on the backfield. So you know the adrenaline is different. It, you know, 80 pitches in a major league game with the adrenaline going everything like that, that's, you know... It, 38 degree weather, yeah. a whole bunch of things. Yeah, so if you make, you know, 50 pitches in spring training, that's the equivalent of like 25 mm -hmm. in a big league game. Yep. So yep. he needs to build that up too. Yeah, I, I just said I wrote something about this this week. It's easy to hate on the Dodgers for a lot of things. Yeah, right. This is not one of them. No. This, this was the right move in the right situation. But uh, another situation came up, and you and I both know I, Joe Madden pretty well. Walking Corey Seager with the bases loaded the other day. He has his reasons. Joe always has his reasons right. for stuff, but I can't figure it out. I, I, and and I love Joe. Me I too. played for him yep. and and uh, the Angels. And I look at that and I was like, okay, this this <laughs> this, this isn't Barry Bonds. That's right. This That's right. you know, and, and I think it's only happened like one other time. Three on, times. Well, he, he's done it twice. No, yeah. but a, but a team that was losing that yeah. did it. So I, I I look at that and go, man, I you know what. I just, I look at that and go, I, I really couldn't come up with a reason why you would do but that. But you know, he let had me, one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But but let me take my chances with Corey Seager. He's not Babe Ruth. And yet, I love I love Corey. And yet it worked out. Yeah, they know. won the game. They won the game. And that's, <laughs> that's typical Joe, isn't it? Yes. I think it's going to be that kind of a season, though, don't you? Be, yeah. Based on the way it started and everything that's gone on with the lockout and the short spring, we're going to see some weird stuff. And yeah. Probably going to see it early, but my question is, how long is this going to linger? When, when does baseball get to be quote-unquote normal? Um, I, I don't think it's going to be, obviously, um, this first month you're carrying a couple extra guys. 
I think we're going to see effects of it all year long. I, I kind of agree with um, that. And, I, you know, I can't give you dates say, oh, the All-Star break. Right. After that, it'll be fine. I, I do think there will be lingering things, in, you know, coming out of the spring training. We have to the shorten. And then, okay, you know, how do we do in July and August? Are we going to see more injuries mm-hmm. then? I, I don't know. But there will be effects somehow, some way, all year long. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. I think um, guys aren't in shape. They're sort of in shape. Saw, we saw a lot of soft tissue injuries after the after the shortened season in, in 2020, yeah. lingering in 2021. I, I just I'm wondering what the fans are expecting though. Are they going to be? I mean, they're already upset because uh, they say analytics made us take um, Kershaw out of the game, which is not true. Right. The fans are already they expect to see normal. They're not going to. Well, and. and- when you look at it from that point of view, as a guy, and you know this, you get you set your body clock from the end of a season prior to yep. spring training of the next year. That's how yep. you set your body exactly. clock. You, you set your workouts to get to that point. And then when it doesn't happen, you go, okay, now I've got to try to extend it this mm-hmm. way another two, three, four weeks. I don't know how long it's going to be. And... We always talk about when we go to spring training, no matter how hard you train, no matter what you do, it's not, not the, the same. same. Exactly right. And and, and for people... Your, yeah, your shins think, hurt. Yeah, I don't think people understand. No, it's no. like, what? You you trained, you mm-hmm. ran, you did this. Yes, I did. But I also didn't then go take a 100 ground balls and then stand around mm-hmm. and then go back out that, and try to up. do it again. Right. And so I think that's where you're going to see some of this the lingering effects. Spring training, my shins always hurt. <laughs> right? My shin muscles. I wasn't used to running around in spikes. Right. I was in great cardio shape, yeah. but the, my legs hurt from running in spikes all the time. And, and But you're right. The body clock thing is really a big deal. And I know you and I both went through the lockout in 1990. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I did it in 94, 94 95, yeah. too. Yeah, so, I mean, players will adapt. They'll adapt. But yes. I just wonder how the game's going to look different. And I'm wondering how fans are going to react to the game looking different. Because already they're all up in arms about Kershaw and... You know, Reggie Jackson's up in arms about Kershaw. Yeah, it's all right, yeah. I, I just think that, that the fans will adapt too. And, and, you know, when they come and spend their hard-earned money, they expect to see professional players, and they don't want to hear any excuses, and I don't blame them. And, and so from, from that, uh, I think we have to make sure that we manage guys the best yeah. we can, but also put the best product out there. Yeah, that's right. You see a lot of professional players. There's more of them. Yes. Right. More guys are going to play, and that's what it's going to be. Yeah. So uh, last question. What do you think? What are your thoughts on this team moving forward? Is this a team that, off to, off to a good start, can make a run at a wild card spot? Well, and that's that's your hope. I mean, with the extra wild card spot, I think that's that's a, a great goal to have, yep. um, considering where you were last year. But the the improvements you made this year, the free agents, the guys you extended, all that. Um, I, I do think there's going to be there's going to be hills and valleys. Every yep. club has Absolutely. hills and valleys. So yeah, I think that the the real big for me is, and it was just a small sample size down in Texas. They went two and zero, but you have to play better out on the road. You cannot yep. play like you did last year. Uh, the home record's fine. You, you continue to win 48 to 50 games at home, right. you're going to be fine. Yep. But you have to play better out on the road. We'll see how it unfolds. That's right. All right. Thanks, man. You got it, brother. So that's it for this week on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Our thanks to the Rockies' Chris Bryant, Jordan Bastion of MLB.com, and Jeff Houston of AT&T Sportsnet for being the best part of this program. And as always, thank you for listening to yet another episode. Hope you'll keep us in your lineup. Catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.